0: Black Muslims uh, have sometimes, whether you have or not, and I think probably you have, have sometimes, it seemed to me, been preaching hate to meet hate. Uh, I don't advocate any kind of hate. But there's I think a lot that... of talk that sounds very much like it. No, I think that the guilt complex of the American white man is so profound until when you begin to analyze the real condition of the black man in America, instead of the American white man eliminating the causes that create that condition, he tries to cover it up by accusing his accusers of teaching hate, but actually they're just exposing him for being responsible for what exists. Well, that's, that's uh, something of an argument, but I've heard speeches made by some of the people of your group. I think I've heard you make speeches. It seemed to me that you were advocating uh, what I would have to describe, I think, as violence to meet the serious injuries that have been done your people, with which I totally agree. I agreed. don't call that violence. Uh, I don't in any way encourage black people to go out and initiate acts of aggression indiscriminately against whites. But I do believe that the black man in the United States and any human being, anywhere, is well within his right to do whatever is necessary, by any means necessary, to protect his life and property, especially in a, in a country where the federal government itself has proven that it is either uh, in, unable or unwilling to protect the lives and property of those human beings.
1: Happy birthday El Haj Malik El Shabazz and happy Malcolm X Day to all This is Make
2: It M I P with Masamela Ma
1: Mark Thompson Make
2: It clean.
1: Get Woke
2: At Parker our purpose is simple we want to make the world a better place
1: the largest online progressive community, dailycoast.com, and also the founder of the polling operation Civics with a Q for this week's edition of Thursday Coast, Marcos
3: Malitzis. How are you, buddy? Doing good. Thanks so much. Sorry I missed you last week. I was uh, I had, a, I had a non-COVID cold, which, uh, <laughs> you know, nowadays we think everything's COVID. Like I was, you know, I had a bunch of negative tests, and I'm like, I'm still... Like was it really COVID or not? So, but whatever it was, um, um uh, I'm a little <clears throat> flummy, but I'm almost, I'm almost back.
1: Well, glad you're better. Uh, Mark Sumner pinch hit very well. Ah, oh, thank God. Hit a home run. He's great. Uh, uh, almost had designs on your on your job, uh, <laughs> but no, he was outstanding. And and his analysis of what's going on in uh in Ukraine. Was something else. We invoked you, too, because one of the things we talked about was this whole controversy around whether the US is providing intelligence to Ukraine to find some of these Russian top military officials. And we laughed because you're the one who informed us, our audience, that you don't need intelligence to find them. They're on the front line. Uh, You know, we can probably go find some today uh let's <laughs> go, go to ukraine y'all know yeah just right over right over here but uh uh but but we we were tickled about that because we definitely in, in, invoked you uh but no it was the the analysis was great as as always and uh we learned a lot from him he's doing a, a lot of great work and even talked about uh what inspired him to really take on the role of being a, a correspondent when it comes to this, to this conflict. So that was great, but want I want to do this, um, uh, and, and we do welcome you back. want to get, first of all, your reaction, which I know is always, all of your reactions are thoughtful, but your reaction to what happened in, in Buffalo.
3: Ah, uh, I mean, it, what thoughts and prayers. I mean, <laughs> well, it, it's, it's, it's going to keep happening. It's happening. It's going to keep happening. Uh, Supposedly, Republicans are so all about life, pro-life. And they don't give a rat's ass about the thousands of people, tens of thousands of people that are dying every year because of gun violence. The then you have the scourge of racism. And Mark, I I spent when was when was the, the murder, the mass murder? It wasn't a weekend, Saturday or Sunday. I I spent that day. Saturday, Saturday. Saturday, yeah. I spent Sunday reading 4chan, like the source of this hate, right? You know, trying to get to, to understand these people more. And you know what's crazy, Mark, is that the general consensus in 4chan was that this guy screwed up. That not a, you know, as one person put it, not a single Jew, politician, or media person was. What are the victims? Therefore, the operation was a failure. So, you if it, you take what is this horrible situation, you know, laden with you know, laden with with racism and bigotry, and 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 um, you know, incel ideology, and then on top of that, people are like, yeah, it, it still wasn't good enough because no Jews were were murdered in the process. I mean, it it is. These people are the dredges of society, and they're being given ammunition and fuel by the mainstream Republican Party. That's where we are today. They're being given ideological reinforcements by Fox News. And this is fundamentally a critical problem. And really gives us, if, as, if we didn't, as if we didn't have enough reason to consider November's election the most important in our lifetime, gives yet another reason, because if Republicans take the Senate and or the House, that ideology will be ascendant, will have majority legislative support. And I still <clears throat> I, I still I get the sense and we're seeing it in the polls that more people are becoming more liberals, more Democrats are becoming engaged. So the last. What was it? I think it was a CVS Navigator poll had Democratic. Um, people who were really interested in November's election amongst Democrats was at 61 percent and it had previously been at 48 percent before before the Alito leak. So big, big jump in interest, which is always good to see. But Democrats are at 61 percent. Republicans are at 68 percent. Like we still there is still an intensity gap and it's still early. Right. We just it's hard to believe, but it's only been two weeks since the Alito leak. It feels like (laughs) it feels like it's been like, was that last year, maybe last October? No, it's been two weeks. And the, the full decision is going to come out, which I think will supercharge it, right? So we're, the trends are looking good. Republican engagement went from, I think, from 58 to 60, oh, sorry, from, it went up three points. For, so 65 to 68% were really, really engaged. So Democrats was a double-digit bump. So clearly, people are getting engaged. But things like Buffalo have to wake people up. That did not happen in a vacuum. That does not, I mean, it's hard to say it doesn't happen without Tucker Carlson, Fox News, Republican Party, Elise Stefanik and T- Ted Cruz all, you know, spouting their, their great replacement theory. But it certainly adds fuel to that fire.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah.
3: And we have to put it out. And the only way we have to put it out, literally the only way, is to win November's election. Well, and and
1: it's important, obviously, that that people that people get that Um, Mitch McConnell had an opportunity to denounce replacement theory uh, at a at a press briefing on I believe it was Tuesday. Um, He wouldn't do it.
3: Yeah. Uh, He believes it. Why would he denounce it?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so chad cruz is is doubling down on re- replacement theory and all of that so uh it it's not it's not helpful it 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 leads to these types of incidents, and we're probably going to see more of them um it, it It's sad that it takes tragedies to mobilize our base. The Alito leak was a tragedy. That ruling will be a tragedy if it, yeah, if it stands. People didn't believe us when we said the Supreme Court mattered. Yeah. They didn't care. And specifically, a lot of women didn't believe one of their own, didn't believe Hillary Clinton because they didn't think she was one of their own. Yeah.
3: But her emails and who is she, you know. And, and oh well, okay. Well, I'm glad I'm glad her emails was a good reason to give up your right to to talk to your doctor without Type Cruz in a room. Good yeah. job. Yeah, that was, that was worth it. But so uh, do you think. Did any of
1: this, did Alito's, the Alito leak or maybe even Buffalo, you think have any impact on Tuesday night's primaries?
3: Oh, um, I. That's that's actually a good question. Definitely not not Buffalo. I mean, that would have been too soon anyway. Um there is certainly a civil war being waged in the Republican party right now in a way that we're not seeing in the Democrats for years, you know, you had like the progressive wing versus the corporate wing in the democratic party. You're not, you're not seeing that like pitched ideological battle being waged right now. I don't think a lot of, a lot of Democrats and liberals are really in the mood for it, particularly since the democratic party right now is pretty liberal. I mean, it's obviously we can, we can, quibble at the edges, but you compare it to 10 years ago and it's it's night and day what the what the Democratic Party looks like and what it's promoting and pushing. We have one, we have two problem people. We have Mansion, that's it. It used to be half the Democratic caucus was awful. Now we, we're down to like two people in the Democratic Party are awful Manchin and cinema. Um what um <clears throat> what what what's happening on the right though is is there there's a rear guard of old school conservatives, you know, we can even call it the Mitch McConnell wing, who is being ousted by the Marjorie Taylor Greene QAnon um, conspiracy theory nut wing of of the Republican party. And and we just saw that last night in the North Carolina um, Senate race where Former Governor Pat McCrory was one of the candidates, very establishment, and he lost to a guy named Bud. And in his concession speech, he basically he didn't congratulate his opponent. He said that it was waged, the campaign was waged on lies, and that it was he was disappointed that his party's voters had had um, been swayed by those lies and white right lies. We're talking about you know. Um, the, the, same, the same big lie stuff. I mean, that's what he's talking about, right? Uh, Donald Trump won the election. It was stolen. The systems rigged, blah, 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 right? That, that kind of lie. And, um, and he, basically, he wasn't going to endorse or lift a finger to try to help bud in November. Now, North Carolina Senate race is a, is a very competitive Senate race. It's a 50-50 race in a state that leans ever slightly Republican. You know, a couple points. And we I I wouldn't put that as one of our must win races, but it's definitely a top tier race. And so anything I mean, if we're talking a race that will be decided, uh, Donald Trump won the state by three points in 2020. If you have three percent of Republicans fade out because Bud is a nut. That could be the difference, right? It's not. It, it's not this, these sort of primary, you know, sour grape feelings. They're not going to dramatically shift numbers. You're not going to see double digit shifts. But we're at a place right now where literally every single percent matters. No matter where you get it or where you lose it, it matters. So it's definitely in our interest to see that rift right, right. continue. And we're seeing similar rifts in Pennsylvania and the Pennsylvania, the Pennsylvania Senate race, as we talk right now, still hasn't been decided. They're waiting on on late arriving ballots. And Dr. Oz, who turns out is is a kook, is ahead by hundreds of votes, hundreds out of tens of thousands cast. And Donald Trump even was saying, Dr. Oz, he just should announce right now, don't wait for the ballots to be counted, right? This is God forbid, forbid, uh, the ballots are to be counted, and um, there's there's incredible bad blood in that primary. So these are in Pennsylvania is a must win. It is one of our Wisconsin and Pennsylvania are our two biggest pickup opportunities. If we pick those two up and we hold our seats, we have the we have enough to get rid of the filibuster, and once we get rid of the filibuster, we probably have enough for DC statehood. Uh, vote you know a a voting rights overhaul and all the things that we've been talking about for so long those things happen if we get rid of the filibuster and so wisconsin pennsylvania and holding our own which so far we're looking okay. okay but north carolina gives us some margin for error you know we can make ohio competitive uh we can make florida competitive and of course we all want val demings as uh, as a senator, that would be oh my god, that might be the biggest upgrade possible this year. But um, we still had to protect. We had to protect um, Warnock in in Georgia. We had to protect uh, in in uh, in uh, Mark Kelly in Arizona. So there's a it's it's going to be a tough election. But there's a path there. And every time you have Republicans sniping at each other because old school Republicans are feeling like they're being bumped out. Uh, the Liz Cheney's of the Republican Party are suddenly our weird allies <laughs> <laughs> in a way that never could have been imagined. Um, you know that this is this is this November is going to be screwy and we shouldn't have a chance and we absolutely have a chance. Because of that, and that's not even getting into the politics of Roe v. Wade, which will scramble things even further. So, um, well, I know I know you talked about that on on the brief this week. It, it, give
1: us a little tease on that, and we want people to, to listen to the podcast, the brief as well. Um, what does Roe do? I, I have been hoping, and everybody I've talked to is divided. I, I'm optimistically hoping Roe will motivate our voters. Um, have people I talk to say yes? The other half say no. It's not going to motivate anybody. Um, but I, and I think part of that comes out of the disgust we alluded to earlier that it didn't motivate people when Hillary Clinton said it in 2016. So why should it motivate people now? My counter argument to that is that I think people now know that it's real. I, I think that in the past, and and I even had this conversation uh, with 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 Timmy who's the president of the National Abortion Rights Action League when you keep saying to people over and over and over again for years the sky's falling the sky's falling the sky's falling and it still has not fell people relax. relax well, when maybe oh, yeah. it wasn't falling they ain't really 100%. Believe it. yeah so but now that it's really fallen I, you know I'm thinking you know Hillary said sky's falling Chicken little well Chicken little is real now so maybe but but what what did you
3: and no that that uh-huh. that's it it's it's there's a sense of the boy who cried wolf oh you keep saying that they're gonna take away abortion and then they, they never do and and look they they all those republicans on the Supreme Court that you know and, and they still couldn't get rid of, of abortion. So you're all being alarmist. And we even had who who was it? It was some some NBC News correspondent who even wrote that that liberals were being hysterical with comparisons to uh Hans- Maiden tail. And um, that didn't age very, very well, right? But there's this sore of sense, like, oh, there it goes, Democrats fear-mongering on abortion rights again. And then suddenly it's real. Yeah. Everything's different. And one of the one of the polls, I, and remember, two weeks, and the decision hasn't even come down yet. This is why Republicans are so pissed it was leaked because it gave us a head start in the organizing. But in one of the polls, 50% of Democrats didn't realize this was happening. Like it sh- Shocked them. Fifty percent, half of Democrats didn't even know that abortion rights were on were in danger. And you know, of course, like you said, Hillary Clinton made a big deal out. Of, I mean, <laughs> it's been an argument. Nobody, for whatever reason, nobody believed it or discounted it or thought it was just pol- normal politics. And this is just broadly speaking, Mark. This is a challenge that Democrats have had for for decades, where. People don't believe when we say Republicans want to do X. When I wrote my book, American Taliban, I don't know what, 10, 15 years ago, liberals attacked me for being unfair to Republicans because no, they're nothing like they wouldn't they wouldn't try to they wouldn't try to take away gay people's rights and women's rights. And no, oh, that's that's or, or imposed or theocratic religion on on the like they thought that was that was. Unfair when I was literally the whole book is using their words. I mean, I didn't make you don't have to make it up, right? Conservatives are conservatives, they tell you. But when, as a liberal, when you try to say Republicans are going to take away a right to choose, people are like, Oh, okay, all right, okay, sure. <laughs> yeah, I get it. They're they're they're, they're weird, but no, they're, they're not. They can't do that. This is America, they can't do that, and they can do that precisely because this is American people don't vote and they do. And so it totally changes the equation. And I think objectively, like like I said, this poll, you know, uh, Democratic interest in November's election became very high. And then went from it went from forty eight percent to 60 percent in a week. So as people and 50 percent didn't even know what was happening. So as people become more aware and the decision gets handed down and half the states overnight ban abortion, and when you have Republican attorney generals in those states prosecuting women and prosecuting doctors, and Mark, the polling on criminalizing abortion, it's like 15% agree that women should be criminally liable for an abortion, or, and doctors is the best they get, which is like 22%. That, that is a fringe minority everywhere, including places like Alabama and Mississippi. So those stories are going to circulate. Because between July and November, we got what? July, August, September, October. We got four months for those Republican attorney generals to go nuts and try to prosecute people. They'll try to prosecute women who cross state lines to get, to get an abortion. They'll try to do that. Those stories are going to be dominant. And then people are going to realize, okay, no, this is, this is actually happening. This is actually happening. It's not theoretical. And in a lot of places like Texas, It's happening. And so it's becoming an issue in states like Michigan, uh, where the governor, where it's actually going to the Supreme Court and already a lower court already said that the Michigan Supreme, that anti-abortion trigger laws are unconstitutional in Michigan. So in a Democratic, in a Supreme Court is held by Democrats in Michigan. So there's a very good chance, but it also is going to I think hopefully educate Democrats that oh my God those those judge races actually matter. This has been a huge challenge for us to get people to care about judicial races. Suddenly, single handedly because of abortion, those races are going to matter. And so i like I said we, we're two weeks at, two and a half weeks in okay, uh, but we're basically just a couple of weeks out from the from the draft leak. And so last. Um, on the brief this week, we had a state senator from, from uh, Washington who won her race by 104 votes out of 70,000 cast. Hers is an exurban district, so it's, it's rural and distant suburbs and a few small cities. And she won it. It's split 50-50, and she won it by 104 votes in 2018, a very good Democratic year, if you all may remember now she's fighting for her political life. And she says, she goes, she knocks on doors. And the, you know, the couple of weeks before the draft decision, people were talking about inflation, right? That's, that's the thing people were talking about. She said the day of the decision, every door she knocked on, that's all people wanted to talk about. And what was more interesting, this, this surprised me, Mark, they weren't just thinking about losing the right to, to an abortion, They also knew, and again, this is shocking to me, they knew that this meant that gay rights was on a chopping block, that uh, laws banning interracial marriage were under threat, contraception was under threat. They instinctively realized that if they take away this right, they're going to take away all these other rights. And I, I, I highly doubt That the average voter understands that, okay, we're going to look at these legal decisions that are underpin a right to privacy, which is where all these other um, cases came from. I don't think they think, oh, well, Alito said that if a right didn't exist during the founding father time, then it's not really a right. So only white male property owners have rights if you take that to its logical extreme. And why wouldn't you? They made it very clear that's what they want. I don't think they have that sophistication. I think there's a gut instinctive realization that, okay, they're taking away this right. There's, they, they've crossed the boundary. They crossed the red line. And all these other rights that have arrived, and these are all recent rights, because we as a society evolved. They're realizing, okay, that, that right is, is you know is from 50 years ago. If that one's being tossed aside, everything since will also be tossed. And they get that. Yeah. And she said it really, it was scaring people. And so this is the first, and it's very anecdotal. Let's not pretend otherwise, right? It's it's one, but she's in a in a in a 50-50 rural exurban district, not you know, Brooklyn or Berkeley. And um people are freaked out people are freaked out. And so this is definitely an issue that I suspect, and we'll, we'll have more data, more polling, everything is, you know, it's going to be a lot happening in the next couple of weeks, but I suspect that, that the democratic campaign this November can almost single-handedly be waged on, on uh, uh, abortion rights and and gives us a real fighting chance. We're not going to win on, on inflation. I mean, people are angry about high gas prices. There's only so much we can do in a time of global instability and war. So what can we wait? What, what's, and I think losing rights with an out-of-control Supreme Court and Republican majority. And the other thing, Mark, that I've been really sort of thinking through is that there's a reason that the party in power loses seats. And the reason the party loses seats historically is because of, there's complacency. You said it earlier, right? There's a complacency. There's fatigue. You work really hard to get somebody elected, and then you want a rest, right? 2020, biggest election in our in our lifetime. <laughs> You're like, ah, oh, finally, like Biden won. And there's also there's also all the broken promises, like student debt relief, where's build back better, right? So in a lot of those, it's not because. Maybe student debt is Biden's fault, but most of that stuff usually isn't the president's fault. It's it's Congress, right? We're not ours is not a system designed to make legislation pass. So all of that conspires in the but the party, the party out of power has all the energy, right? I mean, just think. I mean, the, the Tea Party emerged after Barack Obama won. The resistance emerged after Donald Trump won. Um, this QAnon, whatever it is, is emerged after Joe Biden won so there's energy in being in the minority there's energy in being in 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 uh, out of power and what the supreme court decision has just done is it's made us the party out of power yeah profound and and I've been
1: quoting you on that as well cuz you said it before the the opposition party is energized but this decision and and let's be honest Even if people didn't have it in front of mind, you you see Roe. If you're a voter, you see Roe. If you're a Democrat, you're in our base, you see Roe. It just reminds you what happened with John Lewis, the John Lewis legislation. Yep. It really just reminds you what happens with the George Floyd legislation, amongst a, a, a bunch of other things.
2: At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.
1: Wait a minute. Are we really the party in power? What we know, I mean, I, I think, I do think people are sophisticated enough to know what mistakes Joe Biden has made versus legitimate mistakes versus mm-hmm. what he's been blocked from doing. And I don't think anybody's confused about that. He, there's certain specific things he was blocked from doing. So that can't make us feel as if we're the party in power. In fact, when you said it first, I mean, I'm thinking, I mean, Democrats really ought to say that our loss of rights negates, nullifies really the majority that we want yeah and, and people are people ought to be motivated even by that wait a minute we are here vote and it doesn't even matter so it, literally the democratic party is is still the opposition party to this juggernaut of social media people you got to link that up because let's face it people also are having anxiety about twitter and elon musk you know i think you have to tie all that together that that it all goes together the, the the the, the right wing social media control and takeover, the Fox propaganda machine, the threat to reinstate Trump on social media, plus no votes for, uh, uh, no passage of voting rights legislation, no passage of George Floyd legislation, or anything else like that. Now, the the unforced errors, so to speak. biden has includes obviously student debt relief he should just do that and to go back to your original point i I think the the math kind of looks better because if people are mobilized by roe and the other losses of rights as the true opposition party ironically being the party with the majorities but still the opposition being blocked in every way if, if you put that together with any GOP demoralization from Tuesday night or any other? Because I mean, they thought that crazy woman was going to win, and folks was about, that was insane. Uh, everybody knows Oz is insane, but to in the races where legitimate Republican—that's a oxymoron—where where, 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 let's say more moderate or more mainstream, more sensible, so to speak, Republicans lost. If they stay home, or they might just flip to the other side. So you know what? I'm going to vote for this Democrat. I'm going to vote for federal, yeah. or I'm going to vote for the Democratic nominee in this
3: North is, Carolina. Uh, mostly, That's those college-educated better. suburban women are the ones that are like the only right. ones that have flipped, but they matter.
1: But but you're right. If I mean these all these races now, they, nobody's landsliding anywhere. So we're talking about, like you said, three percent. Trump won three percent by three percent in North Carolina. If we've got two, three, four, five percent margins, this might work out.
3: Yeah, no, it's gonna be close no matter what. Every single vote is going is going to be meaningful in, in in so I've been I've been saying a lot. Like if you live in Illinois, maybe there's not a lot happening locally. There's a lot happening in Wisconsin. Get your butt up to Wisconsin and help out. If you're in New York, New Jersey, okay, not a lot happening locally. Get your butt to Pennsylvania because the whole ball game is is happening, right? If you, I mean, clearly Florida, Georgia, North Carolina, there's a lot of stuff happening. You're in South Carolina, you're a Democrat, okay? There's not much happening locally because it's all pretty heavily Republican. You can head south, you can head north, right? You you got great black Senate candidates in both those states right. to support. So, um, there is somebody somewhere. You know, like if you're in California, get your butt to Nevada because we got to defend that Senate seat or get down to Arizona if you're in Southern California. And right. Arizona, it's going to be another big one. So there, there is something major happening and it's all the 2020 battleground states. It's Arizona, Georgia, Florida, uh, North Carolina, um, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Michigan's not an action this, this year, but that's a, another critical one. And so even all the infrastructure we're building for this election is going to pay dividends in 2024 because it's going to be the same freaking battlegrounds all over again. So it really behooves us to really heavily organize in these critical states and everybody participate. And, and I don't live in that state is actually not an excuse you can donate money, you can make phone calls, you can write letters, you can show up, you can drive a couple hours and, and sure. cross your state lines and, and help out. And we're going to need everything. And we didn't have that feeling. I mean, I, I had that feeling, <laughs> right? You had that feeling. I didn't sense it in our base, that, that, that desperation that we felt in 2020, that everything you know was at stake and we had to fight all out for it. And Roe v. Wade, the Supreme Court, had they been smart, politically smart, they would have waited till next year to do this, right? but or even waited till November to do it. We have a bit of a gift here. and Alito wrote in a decision because he was clearly sensitive to the idea that he a man, was taking away a woman's right. And he wrote, well, if women don't like it, they can vote. That was that was his his re- response to that argument. And so, Not that anybody needed Alito's permission to turn out and vote, but it's a reminder that that is the only way we can fight this now. The Supreme Court won't defend a key right, so we have to do something about it. And once we we get rid of the filibuster, it opens up a lot more. And the bigger that margin is, yeah, maybe it'd be great if we, first of all, it'd be great if we just hold the majority, right? Even if it's 50-50. That's bare minimum. If we can get two seats, okay, then we render cinema and Mansion irrelevant. All these Democrats running in these Senate seats have said that they would vote to eliminate the filibuster. So we're, we're clear. We pick up those two. But things like DC statehood, Puerto Rico statehood, um, expanding the Supreme Court, we may lose a couple of Democrats here and there, right? So we need to pad the margins as much as possible. So that's where Ohio becomes only you know relevant. and so it does, uh, North Carolina in Florida in some of these reach states can we make a play for them can we can we pick up some seats and get and then the last factor is that the next two senate cycles are brutal for us they are rough so we have to hold everything we got to if we ha- this is our last chance to expand our majority before we face some really really tough cycles and I'm talking to kind of cycles where it's like all the states that are up are are you know Montana, North Dakota, and Nebraska, like a like, couple Democratic held seats in red states and nowhere for us to pick up. So it's it's really this is our last chance. And so we need to take advantage of it and try to get that majority. And and you know what? We get that. We get that majority. Suddenly, those next few cycles don't look as bad because D.C. is a state. Maybe Puerto Rico is a state like we start evening the playing field. And so it's it's um, it's critical that we all go all out and work as hard because it's just nothing theoretical right now. We won the last election and they're still taking away our rights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We still and, didn't win. And and that, folks, is
1: what ought to motivate us because we are in still in the opposition party in spite of that. That ain't the way it's supposed to work. Um, nope. uh, uh frankly, one thing, though, just. Um, it's, maybe this is some birds and the bees stuff for a party that loathes LGBTQIA's homosexuality and all that, and believe that only a man and a woman ought to be together. Why would you do the one thing to piss off all women? <laughs> I, I, I had a, I had an uncle years ago. My uncle Bill. I'm just. I'm gonna tell you how long ago this was. <laughs> Uh, Walter Mondale had nominated Geraldine Ferraro. I was still in high school and we were out together somewhere and, and there was, uh, there were men around and my uncle Bill's, I happened to be with him. And someone said, um, why should there be a woman vice president? Well, should they, why would we pick a woman? And Bill said, he just said, naturally said, I'll never forget it. He was funny, a funny guy. Anyway. He said, I don't have a problem with that. He said, I actually like women. I like women. Women are okay. (laughs) You know, and when I heard that, I was like, yeah, that's, what's the big deal? So for a party that does not think that anybody of any other gender persuasion, I mean, you know, what's the saying? Uh, uh, Happy wife, happy life. I mean, why deliberately piss off more than half of the United States population And still present yourself as though other sexuality should not exist. I mean, it's a rhetorical question. I I don't expect you. Yeah.
3: I mean, the reason is because they can, because they can, because our base does not turn out at the rate that their base does. That's why they think that it motivates them to turn out. Yeah. doesn't motivate our side to turn out. So why wouldn't they be horrible, bigoted, misogynistic a-holes? when it motivates her crew. I mean, Donald Trump, yeah, he lost the popular vote. He won a 2016 election on overt racism, bigotry, and misogyny. Yeah. 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 And our people because of Bernie or because of Hillary's emails or because all the parties are the same until we get that turnout with our, with our core demographics. And a lot of this is youth. Right. I mean, older people, unfortunately, aren't as hip to to, you know, gender equality. Um, our youth is more than anybody else, and their turnout rates are the worst. Right. So yeah. that's going to be a big challenge is, is and there's nobody. I mean, Biden has done such a, an effective job of shutting that down with the with the student debt stuff. I mean, he had a great opportunity to to get out, come out of the gate after being elected and rewarding the youth voters that help propel them to the, to the white house and whatever reason, you know, yeah. they're still arguing over $10,000. Get out of here. Lastly, quick update on Ukraine and. Um, what's yeah. The- you know, I'm, I'm sure whatever Mark and you talked about last week is probably still um, happening. It's it's it, we're in stalemate situation, which actually plays to Ukraine's, Advantages because they're in the process of mobilizing a million people and equipping them and training them, and as long as Russia is not moving anywhere, they that gives Ukraine the opportunity to properly train those troops without having to rush them to the front, and it allows its allies to to equip them with body armor, weapons, um, and heavy equipment. So right now, I mean, I still don't see a path for Russia winning. And the question is, just how far is is Ukraine going to push? And in fact, Ukraine's pushed that pulled out of any um, peace negotiations because they don't need to. I mean, Russia's not about to abandon everything at one, and Ukraine's like, no, nah, we're going to take all that back. We just need a little bit of time. We need a few months to equip. So that's what's happening. If you were to look at the on the map, um, Ukraine is pushing Russia out from the city of Kharkiv, which is in the northeast, and um, they're on the offensive. And then in the main Donbas front, which is on the Eastern front, where Russia is put, putting most of its energy, they picked up some some key cities. They're making some headway. But what people are going to, you know, there may be some headlines. Russia, you know, picks up this city or that city. They're on the wrong side of the river. So that, that means they're on the Russian side of a major river. And Ukraine can just step over the, the you know, over the water. And Russia has shown no ability to cross rivers. So it's, it's a lot of blood, a lot of fighting for land that Ukraine can't afford to lose because of this natural defensive barrier. So um, tactically, it might matter. I mean, Russia needs its propaganda victories. They've had so few of them. Strategically, though, um, not, not much is... Not much has changed, other than every day that Ukraine holds on is one more day its its reserves can train.
1: I tell you something else before we go darkly humorous that Mark and I discussed that that you probably contributed to that conversation as well. That that Russia he he focused on how ineptly Russia is prosecuting its own war, uh, and uh, how non strategically all of that, and how they just you know they, they hit their strategy just to just run out there. Uh, and if you get a response, then that's their intelligence on what the enemy is doing. Yeah. But, but but it was it's like we were talking about how it's so inept, even with the equipment and the tanks that it, Putin has given the perception uh, in, in terms of their poor strategy that tanks are now obsolete, that mm-hmm. you just they're no good. And they can't worry. And Mark was like, that's actually not true. They just don't know how to use them <laughs> or to deploy them. So I had to laugh because I was like, that's, that's a hell of a thing for a dude to be that incompetent that he's got some people think, well, maybe you know, we shouldn't have tanks anymore. Maybe tanks aren't, no, aren't, aren't any longer useful in modern weaponry. And Mark was like, no, this dude is just that bad at, at, what, at what he does.
3: And- yeah, no, pretty much. And, and there, there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a debate over the future of the tank. And the Marine Corps got rid of all their armor. So Marine Corps have no more tanks. Um, my son's infantry brigade is a light infantry brigade, no armor. So there, there is a debate over, over, um, the role of armor and the new designs for American tanks are much smaller. A lot of them have wheeled instead of tracks. Yeah. They said, the big gun, you need the big gun. That's the piece that people, you need the big gun that you can move, move into position. Do you need this massive, you know, 800 ton vehicle to do it? Maybe not. Drones are, a, a, um, are an issue, of course. It, it makes it easy to kill armor. So new tank designs, there's this whole competition for the next army tank, actually have tanks that have their own drones. So they have defensive drones that hover right. over the tanks to prevent other drones from attacking in and maybe catching missiles. It's complicated. You still need the big gun. Now, it's all called combined arms, right? The infantry screens the tanks. The tanks uh, provide the heavy punch. You need artillery to prepare the battleground. You need air air power to um, to um, to strike out to the artillery. There's this whole thing called combined arms. Russia doesn't do any of that. Russia does one arm <laughs> sends a tank there, sends the infantry in the other direction. Nobody supporting anybody. All of them getting relatively easily wiped out. This is the reason they're losing. They can't they can't wage a modern combined arms war. And like I said, the debate over the tank is a little more complicated than are they obsolete or not. Um, they're not obsolete. They just need to evolve to something different. But uh, man, what, 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 um, what Russia's showing is, is utter ineptness. And um, they probably tanked their whole... Oh, no pun intended, but they probably tanked their own arms industry because who the heck's going to want to buy <laughs> their crappy-ass gear that can't perform on the battlefield? Right. So, um, right. Absolutely. Yeah.
2: At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.
1: Folks, uh, dailycoast.com, civics with a Q. Also, be sure to download the ever-growing, ever-popular podcast around the world, The Brief Weekly. Marcos Melissa joins us weekly here on Thursday Coast, and we appreciate him. He was talking about his book ten or fifteen years ago. Man, we we've been doing this on there before that book was published, I think. Uh, and talking about time flying. Yeah, we're getting older. And we, right? it, no, I mean I don't know because people it, we look how young we still look. Oh, so, so. Something's happening. I don't know. I don't. <laughs> I don't the calendar
3: don't moves. Move. We're not.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we look. We look younger brothers so i'm trying to figure out where all this time when it, it doesn't seem to have an effect on us um thank you man
3: is all right thanks so much okay bye-bye
1: thanks for getting woke and listening to make it plain as always perform an act of kindness on behalf of an elder or young person write a letter to a sister brother who just so happens to find her himself incarcerated offer libations to the ancestors upon whose sturdy shoulders we all now stand and above all